0: Welcome to Functional Design in Closure. I'm Christoph Newman, and I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more
1: fulfilling. Yes, definitely. We love it, and we want you to love it. Uh, so, welcome to our podcast. Uh, if you're new here. Uh, well, most of all, welcome! Thank you for joining us. Uh, but we recommend going all the way back to episode number one. We're on 107 right now, so we're quite a ways away. Uh, and then also uh, head over to ClosureDesign.club. That's a great place to see all the series we've done. Uh, we tend to group these together in series, so they kind of cover a, a topic in a bro- bit broader. So that's where we that's where you can go to see what we've done. That's
0: right. And right now, we're in the middle of our series on Sportify. (laughs) You can catch the beginning of that in episode 101 if you want to start from the beginning of that one. But at Sportify, our mission is to flood social media with sports highlights because why not? (laughs) We love sports.
1: Everyone loves sports, right? (laughs) That's the (laughs) contention.
0: (laughs) So we're right in the middle of automating this process end-to-end. We started by figuring it out using the REPL, exploring it, getting our first version of it working using a REPL-oriented process, and now we're trying to, to get it more automated so that we can just give it the team names and the event date and say go and have it fetch the info from the database on the event. Fetch the info on the media clips from the media asset manager, affectionately known as the Mam, and then download all that media and stitch it all together and spit out that highlight reel, which is all of those clips properly assembled.
1: Yes, one function to rule them all. One function we pass in the team names and the event date and outcomes, uh, reference to the fully formed uh, highlight we can then quickly open up our browser and go to uh, many different social media platforms and post it. <laughs> yes. That's the point.
0: Unfortunately, we just have to re upload this to object storage so that marketing can do that step for us. <laughs> oh, right. and notify them right via the uh, synchronous notification mechanism called email.
1: <laughs> hey, marketing go. <laughs> yep. So last week we left off where we had, we had, through great grit, uh, grit and determination, we had finally gotten all the, all the clips downloaded. We ran into many errors and kept making our system more robust uh, by hook or crook. And eventually, we got all the media. So now the next step is actually assembling the highlight reel, or as, I, as we like to call it, concatenating them together with FFmpeg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Concatenate the highlights into epic highlights. And all those clips are sitting there in the file system. And so, if we want to know metadata about the clip, as in what point in time this clip existed in, in the overall show, we can get that metadata from the Media Asset Manager, right? So, so, so sitting here in memory, we have information from the database about the game, information about each media clip that we got from the MAM, mm-hmm. and then... Sitting in the file system, we have all of the files. And we took some care to make sure they downloaded correctly. So if the file is there, we know it downloaded fully and completely. And so we're ready to stitch them together.
1: And uh because we're good programmers, (laughs) we so, so we have all the metadata about each of the clips, and so we know what order they're supposed to be in. And so before we started downloading we sorted the metadata by that and so we use that to to name the name the clips the actual files files on the file system so they're already in the right order
0: yes and so we can sort by file name in this case <laughs> since uh, we named everything in the in the correct order in the first place i like personally i like to put time information and file names in this kind of situation. Oh yeah, I like that's to good. use like ISO dates, so you start with the year, and then the month, and then the day, and then the hours, minutes, seconds. Uh, it's, it's like nice Middle and sequential seconds. like that. Yeah. Seconds. <laughs> <laughs> <Temptoseconds. laughs> time zone offset. Ah, no, we don't need a time zone offset because we know it's in UTC, right?
1: <laughs> right. We probably don't need to get down too too far because these are clips in the same Event, so we probably don't need to go down to the sub-second level, (laughs) right? Right,
0: and you could just take like the UTC, like UTC seconds, uh, as in seconds from the epoch or something like that. But it's it's a little nicer if you run that through a time formatter and use good old fashioned Java Time to format it to be human readable, so that you can see while you're looking at it. Uh, what time these things actually occurred at. certainly goes a long way to helping you troubleshoot, debug, all that,
1: when when something goes wrong. That's what I was thinking, too, is inevitably we're going to be looking at this list of files. And so, as humans, it's a little hard for us to parse Unix timestamps. I mean, it's possible. You can tell one's higher than the other, but only after squinting a bit. So, having things laid out in the right format that we humans can understand is is a great, wonderful debugging help. <laughs> right. And so in the spirit of
0: building up the language to meet our our domain, we can write a pure function that takes the media information and then it reads out the time information mm-hmm. and it generates the file name string, right? So we have this pure function that takes media info and spits out file name. Mm, right. Uh, we could have a pure function that takes media info and spits out other things if we want, right? But in this case, we want a deterministic way to go from this kind of common information that we have, the media info, into all these other bits of derived information that we want to use for this process. So the file name is a bit of derived information that we came up with. And so we want to be able to go from sort of the origin data to the derived in a clean, pure way.
1: Right. And it's really easy to... To take that because it's a, it's a let's see, what, what, what kind of da- function was that we had before? It wasn't a mapper, it was an extractor, right? That was the right the oh, function. Oh, I call it a mapper. About? Yeah, because yeah. you're
0: mapping from the object information. It's like something you'd feed into map, right? And so, like if you wanted to do that for all of the clips and generate oh, all yeah. of the file names, you'd map and that pure function because it takes the clip metadata and spits out the file name.
1: So now that we have the list of the file names or the file name for each clip metadata, we can hand that to the function that does the download and it knows how to name. Or we can have that function call it. You know, I guess it depends on what, what level we want to that pure function to come in. But the nice thing is the pure function works anywhere. So as long as we have clip metadata, we we can use it to make the file name.
0: Right. So then... We have all these files, they're downloaded, they're named the right thing, we want to feed them into FFmpeg, we already, as part of our repling process, created a function that could call FFmpeg and give it a list of clips in in order, and it would concatenate (laughs) those uh, clips together, right, and and, and output a file, and so great, so let's just take that repl function we we had before, and we're just going to weave this into the process and so we've downloaded about 17 clips not 16 not 18 17 clips <laughs> and we're going to concatenate them together into the epic mega mix of sports highlights for this game and oh no one of those clips as ffmpeg tries to read it
1: explodes it just oh blows up. You ah! know, i was really hoping that we would just finally be done with the errors and we could just get to a f- just get us a, a a highlight clip, you know, a highlight reel here. But yet again, the world has conspired against us to make our life difficult <laughs> as a programmer. Right?
0: Yeah. You know, we had enough trouble downloading it, and so now the clip has to explode. And we didn't run into this before. It's some freak thing, right? Maybe the editor that made the clip didn't finalize the file properly, and ffmpeg couldn't read out the index of frames or whatever. Who knows? Ffmpeg spews out an error. <laughs> We copy and right. paste that information into our asynchronous notification system called email. To, maybe somebody is going to fix it. But hey, in the meantime, we got to get this clips, we, we got this high, highlight reel out Whoa. the door.
1: Hold on, hold on. The first thing we should do is run our process again because maybe the error will just go away, right? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. And if Sometimes it does. It does. Yeah. If it
0: does, then, then you have a whole new problem
1: <laughs> called non determinism. <laughs> right. That's the key is that the problem does not go away in this instance. The problem just goes back to being hidden. That's that's the problem.
0: <laughs> yes. And so let's say they we do read this and it blows up oh, deterministically. I was hoping. <laughs> That's a whole. That's a completely different podcast. That could be its own podcast called "Non Determinism in Software."
1: Developers have horror stories. Developers have an odd relationship with errors. If we get an error, like if a regular human being gets an error, they're frustrated. But if a programmer gets an error, especially get they get the same error two times in a row, then they know that they know something about it, and they're actually happy. They're they're happy when they (laughs) get an error. Not 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 always sad. Yes. Anyway, so it's repeatable. True. It's deterministic. That's that's so the wh- learning we've got.
0: So what would you do with this bad file? Because if you delete it, right? Let's say we delete it. Let's get rid of this bad file, and we're going to just take all the file names. Okay, great. But if if you got to start this process from the top, because remember we're making one function to rule them all, so to speak. In this case, right? It's <laughs> this m- right this single um, complete sequence of all of the steps we want to run it give it the inputs let let the whole thing so if we run it again it's going to be like hey you appear to be missing a file no worry i got gotcha. you i'm just going to download it again <laughs>
1: that's the that's the frustrating thing about programming is that code will often do exactly what you told it to do yeah so, so what th- we would ha- you do we have, to, we have to we have to we have to move it out of the way but we have to we can't move it out of the way because it's going to re- get redownloaded so we have to skip it we have to have like a way of skipping files now uh
0: right right when you run into some of these issues sometimes the right thing to do is in, instead of trying to edit the information pay, paper over the information you add more information Right. So when right. we're deleting the file, we're trying to sort of mutate the information. And and so imagine the sequencing function, it hits an error and then it catches, it has a little try catch, and it's like, okay, which one gave me an error? Let me mutate the file list and try again, you know? And mm. but then the problem is when you go to the top, this this little thing that you did in place, right, isn't it's, it, it's not remembered. Yes. And and so you're just trying to kind of monkey with the state of something to work around in that case. So it's better to create a new piece of information. Uh in this case like an exclusion list. We could have an exclusion list, right? And say this is bad. You know, well, I, let's let let's yeah. represent bad. It's a new it's a new state of something. It's a new bit of something. So let's represent bad explicitly,
1: positively. Let's let's be explicit about it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so let's be positive probably, about bad. Yes. <laughs> well, closure already is positive about nothing. That's what we call nil. So why, do, <laughs> why not be positive about bad stuff too? <laughs> and it's I very think,
0: positive programming language that closure there.
1: <laughs> I think, like you said, modifying some some data in memory inside this function call is not not it's not going to help us any because once the function is done, that that got, that data is gone, and so we have to put something in on the file system. I mean, we can have temporarily have data in memory, but we need to persist it so that then when the next invocation of ourselves, so to speak, this function, Do now I'm personifying the function as myself. <laughs> I mean, when, when, we, yeah. when we instruct it to go off and do its work again, it needs to be able to find that data again. So we need to persist it. Probably in the file system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, right now we're kicking off this process from our fiddle file. Right now, now I know mm-hmm. we're going back a few episodes and so the team name and the date, et cetera, those are string literals that are in our fiddle file. Right. And so we have comment blocks. So we could, we could add a set literal or I would do a set in this case of exclusions. Right. And, and I would probably personally, I would probably do like object ID. Like I'd, I'd look at whatever ID this thing had in the media asset manager. Right. And right. just add, add that to it. So when we encode that file name, not only could we put the date, but we could put the object ID in there too, you know, and other bits of human readable things. So, that, so when it blows up, we can just look at the file name and go, oh, uh, that asset ID, I guess I should call it an asset ID. That'd be clear, right? That asset ID, that was, uh, you know, in the file name.
1: You can go the other way, so to speak, from a file name to data that is, in, is useful. Right.
0: Right? Because it's better to reference information by its main identifier as opposed to some derived identifier. right. Well, like like if, for if instance, we put the, the name file a... name in there, right. right. Like like how do we get back to the object ID? Like if we want to now build another function that that finds all the at, finds all the metadata for the assets that blew up. Mm-hmm. Well, if we have a bunch of file names, now now we're like a we're making a parser of the file name we encoded. So we're decoding our encoded, (laughs) right? So, so we're trying to, we're trying to keep these like, like universal facts, right? Like these, this is the base level of facts and we derive other facts from them, but we, we try to keep things in terms of that, that base level of fact, right? And so the asset ID is the base ID for this thing.
1: And it's likely something that won't change. Like we could use the, the key on object storage as that identifier, but what if they fix the clip, and that means that there's actually a different key in object storage that we're getting it from? So now that's unstable. Like, but the actual right. object ID back in the mam that more than likely won't change. So it's going back as far as you can in the identifier, you know, uh, progression is probably better in this case.
0: Yeah, and so we could, and uh, you alluded to it. I mean, another option down the road is we have a file that describes the job to do. We never really got to that point, but what's neat is we already have a little bit of a notion of what the representation should be because in our in our fiddle file, we have these string literals that we put into the function to kick off this, and so we Good know that road. the job at least has to have that that bit of information in it, and so we can add a third argument. Or fourth argument, I'm not counting the args. We can add another parameter <laughs> that's the exclusion list um, of media idea, IDs, asset IDs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would allow us to keep it in, in, in our fiddle, or in, in code. I was thinking yeah. of like writing it out to the file system so that the function that went to process the files would know to skip that one when it gathered the list up. But uh, I think it makes more sense to pass it in as additional additional information to the top level function because that's essentially what the function needs to operate correctly so
0: yeah and it's more hidden if you put it in the file system this way mm-hmm. all the Absolutely. things that matter right under your nose are in the fiddle file you know and, well, and if we switch to a job the... description then they're all right under your nose in the job file right it's sort of they're all co-located
1: well they are all co-located except for the list of files that we've downloaded that's still over in the file system there still is like that's things true. that aren't in there that's Which is true. a little annoying That's for developing. Because when you hit a bug, it's like, okay, something went wrong, but like I got to look at, well, what did I call it with? And let me go look at the file system. Uh,
0: right, right. The look. context is all over it, right? You have some context in memory, some context in the file system. It's just like kind of spread, spread about. And then you have uh, some intermediate context, perhaps, because this is an imperative function we're putting together. So it's got some little let let uh bindings mm-hmm. i almost said let variables it's really hard to not say the word variables sometimes because they're not <laughs> variables and they're bindings <laughs>
1: exactly it
0: runs deep though in programming variables variables so you got let bindings and and some other bits of context so yeah yeah it's definitely when something blows up boy you know how do you how do you get all that information right yeah we, we, we will have to explore this problem a little more. We do explore this problem a bit back in our previous series, Log Lines uh, series. We had some things blowing up on us and how do we get context when things go wrong. So, uh, we'll link to that in the show notes.
1: All right. That sounds good. Okay, so let's see. So, now we have our exclusion list. So, we're now our, on our nth parameter that we're passing to our function is these are the files to exclude or to skip when you're when you're combining things together and and that's a that's the last problem we encounter right (laughs) (laughs) you never know what the world's going to throw at you that's the problem with programming is you can be done but you never know what happens what's going to happen when something you didn't you didn't come across when you're developing happens in production or happens when you're trying to actually use it for real
0: Right. And so, great, we're able to exclude and and put it together, let's say in this case, and and that's that's great, we kicked out a highlight video, and then tomorrow we come and we kick off this process again with a whole new set of clips. And kaboom! What happens this time? <laughs> well, the world threw a whole brand new thing at us. And and the clip isn't ready to be downloaded. Like it gave us metadata, and it's not ready, right? We get we, a- we get an error back from the mam. Well, actually, from object store. The mam's yeah. like, hey, it's over there. We call the object store. It wasn't there yet. And upon further inspection, we realized that the mam actually has a state that talks a little bit about, oh, it's being processed right now. And so, so that gives us an explanation, but it doesn't really do us any good.
1: Well, why don't we just run it again? Let's just run sure. it again. Maybe it'll be ready now. Maybe ready now. Ready now. Maybe it'll be ready now. Ready now. Is it ready now? <laughs> I have I have debug things with that strategy, but it it does lead to uh, what do they say the definition of insanity? It's asking the same question again and again and expecting a different answer. Well, that's exactly what we're doing right now. <laughs> right.
0: I mean, since we did find out that it's being processed. It's kind of reasonable it will eventually show up I guess because we've made this whole process faster recover right a lot of these steps are idempotent mm-hmm. when you, when we run them if it if the work is trivial we just redo the work it doesn't matter we can re-query the database about the event the event is over and done it's written it in the database we can requery that over and over and over. We're not hurting anything. We don't we we don't make anything. We don't have any intermediate artifacts that get persisted somewhere. Right. right? But but the the download made files. And so we, we added some item potency to this so that we go, okay, we, we took care to make sure they downloaded correctly. If they did download correctly, then we're good. And we can just trust it it's okay, and we can move on so so there is a bit of a fast recover, right? So you run it again, does a couple of queries, boom, it's back to the mam, the data trying to download the file so, <laughs> totally so you could do that. you just put it a loop, you know what every 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 uh three hundred milliseconds <laughs> go, go,
1: go, 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 go <laughs> And then we hit another error, which is the mam rejects us for uh making too many requests (laughs) (laughs) yes yes (laughs) that's what we really got to wait for
0: yeah so if you get an automated retry it does raise the question how many times do you retry Mm -hmm. should you back off Uh, yes how long do you answer how long do you wait
1: (laughs) (laughs) right how long do you wait should you back off things like this and that and that adds a lot of complexity to the code at that level and and one of so I want to kind of backstep a little bit is that we talked about adding item potency to the parts of the process that are expensive, and so we don't add item potency to every part of it, including the database, because adding item potency increases the complexity of that part of the solution. And so we only want to add it to where it's necessary. And so just like this, we only want to add the automated retry where it's necessary. And we know it's necessary in this case. So I think what we would do is we would probably go in and, you know, hey, the error condition is happening right now. So let's write the code to fix it right now in the hopes that when we run it again, it'll handle the, the it'll basically be able to handle the clip not ready and start doing the retries, right? Right. We, we're in, the world is in an, in an error state. And so we want to develop as fast as we can. Right.
0: And then I would be logging as, as this function is being made. I would have mm-hmm. some logging in there so we can see the timestamps when everything is happening. And then we start to get a sense of how long it takes for this thing to become ready. And then we start to get a sense of what's normal. Because the other, the other question is like, how, how long do you keep trying? Do you wait a half an hour? Do you wait two minutes? Do you wait a fraction of a second? before
1: you just give up? That is uh, an unknown question, an unknown answer. It's, it, it's interesting <laughs> because you, you asked this, and I've, I've, I have been in that situation many times. And, and every time it has been, you only know once you've kind of, you've, you've, you've worked the code against the problem again and again, and you kind of get a sense for how much it is. And again, logging really helps because oftentimes when there's a problem, you're not actually paying attention to it at the time. And so you want to know later how long it took because then that'll form your future tweaks of the, of the backup and everything.
0: Right. And it is, it is like the halting problem. You can't know for sure every time. So you, you do have to expect some bound. So you Mm -hmm. decide on a bound and outside of that bound, humans handle things. That's that's the way automation is, right? At some point in time, it's like this is out of parameter or a human needs to do it, right? And so you can, as a developer, you can find yourself in a situation where you're trying to do too many automatic things. Like, is it really worth doing, right? You're trying right. to find every possible failure scenario. And so, so one of the nice things about exceptions, just flying up to the top of the stack, you know, maybe you talk to a dogmatic go programmer who's like oh no we need to return error objects Mm -hmm. and you know everywhere like even in that case sometimes you just want to take that error and return the error right you want to let the error fly because because you cannot solve every possible permutation of everything once you're interacting with the real world so it's okay to put up the guardrails and really those guardrails are defined if you are inside this i have seen you before i know what to do we will handle it. If you're outside, I don't know what to do. So throw, throw uh, me, being the program, <laughs> robot <laughs> me, throws up my hands and goes, okay,
1: human, please. And in that case, the human now gets to learn. Yeah. I think there's It's just been a, a long thread of learning. We've learned different things over the course of this series. But the, the point is that all on the way... We are, we're taking things and, and slowly baking them in, but anything that's outside those guardrails, like you said, now becomes learning, learning fodder. Right. And so here we have this process set.
0: Now we've, we have this function. It takes the inputs. It goes through all the steps. gets data from the database, gets clip information from the MAM, downloads the clips from the MAM, assembles them all together using FFmpeg, spits out a file and completes. And then we know where to upload it to the right place. You could even add a step if that was automatable to upload it into mm-hmm. s three and but we've encountered all these situations right and and there's this logic like, oh in this case, I should retry, mm-hmm. or in this case I should um exit right and so it, it it starts to make you wonder like how do you test this right it, you 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 almost need an entire media ecosystem (laughs) in order to test this.
1: And that's, and I kind of alluded to it earlier when I was like, hey, the air condition's happening right now, so program fast so you can handle it. But what happens if you get the code in there to do the retries, and then you run it again, and the clip's ready? Oh, well, now your retry logic doesn't get tested. It's like suddenly you have to get the whole world into a situation so that you can test your code. And, well, the world doesn't often agree with that, so what we do as programmers is we use things like mocks and we use local databases and we use local copies of S3. We, I mean, there's all kinds of tricks that people have done uh, where you can, so to speak, fake the world, uh, which I think is a common, a a common, but not uh, it's not the, in my opinion, the best way.
0: Well, and then what do you, what do you put in there to fake it, to make it blow up? Right. Because there's this context that's not really being captured. Yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't we want to get a little bit more information? Right. What do, what do we do with that information? Like, how how do we capture the the current state of things? Because let's say it does blow up. You come, you, you walked away from your terminal for a bit because it's taken a while. Mm -hmm. And so you went to get refill your coffee and you come back and it blew up. You're like, what? And, and you run it again and it doesn't blow up. But you were hoping it was going to blow up because you added a new log statement in there to print out a bunch of things you wish you had printed out the first
1: time. Oh, I've been there (laughs) before. And it
0: works great. And you're like, oh, no, what was that weird intermediate transitory (laughs) error that I experienced? Maybe it was your lack of presence at the monitor and the keyboard. (laughs) Yeah. When you go away, it blows up. And when you come back, it doesn't. Who knows, right? (laughs)
1: I've I've been there too. (laughs) Well, and the, and the problem is now that your program blew up, now it's like, okay, well, I need to go figure out what happened. And so now you're you're looking at your logs, you're looking at the files, at the, the files that you've downloaded, you're actually opening your Fiddle to query the database again. You're doing all these things to go look in all the places where your program got that information instead of a central place where, like, wouldn't it be nice to have all the information in one place so that you could make sound decisions and figure out why decisions were made. It, it would be
0: nice if we could make this more testable and put all that information in one place. That would be nice. It sounds like we still have some more exploring to do on this topic, Nate.
1: <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be awful if we're just like, well, that's it. Good luck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's hope for the future. Send us your solutions by email
0: to feedback at (laughs) closuredesign.club. We're as lost as
1: you are. No, no,
0: of course you can send us uh, your code. We would love that. Um, Just don't send it as like an executable batch script, you know, as an email attachment, because since we're stuck using outlook in this um, (laughs) sportify environment, that could lead to a lot of malware being installed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, it's been fun. We've been able to discuss some of our, like some of the concepts with a little bit of code samples in our our podcast channel uh, on Clojury and Slack, the Dash podcast channel. And it, I think it's been useful to have some examples and stuff. So if you have examples of ways that you've approached this or with ideas about how you'd approach this, please hop in that channel and reach out to us. Definitely, it's the best place to discuss things. You can also tweet at us
0: on x... At closure design. And like we said before, email us at
1: feedback at closuredesign.club. Yep. And like we said at the top of the show, you can find all of our notes and past episodes organized very neatly into series on the web at closuredesign.club. Go check it out and see the stuff we've done in the past. That's right. That's going to be it for this week. We'll be back
0: next week. Thanks for listening.